Tonight, the race for the White House takes flight. Welcome to the first debate of the 2024 presidential campaign, live at Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. The battle as they battle for the GOP nomination. Good evening, everybody. I'm Martha McCall. And I'm Brett Baer. The eight contenders are positioned by the order they sit in the polls, with the highest polling candidates in the middle standing center stage. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You call me whatever you want. I mean, just as long as you, you know, also call me a winner. Ramaswamy is now Pfizer's shield. If you suggest he wants the big pharma, you're gonna get killed. I don't want you to say. People can't quite be trusted. It has to be a small group of elites, really, in the back of palace halls. Dunbergham. Some ground rules for tonight. We'll ask the questions, and then candidates get one minute to answer. And when the time runs out, we all will hear this. Very pleasant. <laughs> so tonight, these candidates have a big opportunity. Lord, it's a damn shame. How's everyone doing today? Everyone's doing fantastic, I hope. Um, today we've decided to do a whole episode to kind of just unpack the liberal media's attacks on the working class and how basically Oliver Anthony, uh, who's this new uh, rising viral music star, completely independent, uh, has been under fire and the target of... And Abby, frankly, I think he should lie, you know, he should he should realize that the FBI probably already has a file on him as well. Edward Snowden actually agrees with my assessment of that. This man, Oliver Anthony, is under attack by the liberal media, which, as we know, is now the enemy of the people and the working class. And um, this man's song is incredibly poignant in today's modern age. He talks about... Uh, the rich men who live in, I believe, Northern Virginia, um, which are the the elites, whereas he is a poor man who lives in, I, I'm assuming, Southern Virginia, where he is very poor, and uh, he is a member of the working class, the blue-collar working class. Um, so today we're going to spend the whole episode unpacking that and basically <laughs> just how you know, leftists everywhere have gone crazy, uh, basically, fought, you know, show, revealing themselves as being against the working class. Um, so what do you think, Abby? Finally, Robbie, finally, there's a song that strikes to the heart, just blue-collar, hard-working Americans. I mean, this song just strikes gold for so many reasons, Robbie. I mean, finally, there's a song that speaks to this kind of unbearable state of being oliver anthony is anthony oliver oliver anthony is like one of those people with names that could go either way it's oliver i think it's anthony oliver anthony oliver oliver um two olivers and you know robbie i i couldn't agree more with matt walsh 
who said this song resonates with so many people. It's not political, Robbie. The song is raw. The song is authentic. And we're so suffocated by artificiality. Everything around us is fake. And this is what's fucking real, man. This guy pouring his heart out over his guitar. That's real, man. You know what I say anytime someone goes suddenly extremely viral who's posted a YouTube video of themselves playing guitar? Is that this shit's real. This every, shit is, time. Uh, every time. Every time it happens. we're so suffocated by artificiality. This. Yeah. This extremely viral song that every single person commented on including us that's what's real i mean the last time i felt something this real is when um that uh quebecois um tiktok star was putting out videos where she would repeat over and over again catchphrases like ice cream so good balloon (laughs) i mean that i mean so you don't feel realness as often you know, we've been so we're lucky that we've kind of gotten two real viral sensations in a row, um, and that almost made more sense because that was just like she was hot. It's yeah, like but that, she had a pretty strong message too. That I she thought. had a very strong message, almost equally as important as Oliver Anthony, I would say. So, one of the fascinating parts about this this man, this hero, Oliver Anthony, is that he hasn't been one of those guys who just stays in the you know a single lane of of politics and just votes republican or votes democrat every election in fact he is what i would call a very brave radical centrist because (laughs) what oliver anthony did is only two years ago on facebook he proclaimed his basically loyalty to joe biden are you serious yeah what's wrong with that though i mean this that's a man who has integrity i mean he and and again, Abby, he made sure to call out, uh, say that no, I'm talking about all of you, both parties. So, see, you have to understand there is a bridge here from radical centrism to realizing there's a problem with the Uniparty. Oh my! I can't believe that he was a Joe Biden supporter a couple of years ago. He pulled a whole Carrie Lake on us, huh? He pulled a whole a lot of people on us. I mean that yeah no Carrie Lake. It's actually really interesting. I mean a lot of these right wing personalities who got really sucked up into the right wing media matrix have been oddly uh, have either like no paper trail behind them, like so you can you can like show that they've had consistent beliefs, or they literally were like generic Obama liberals. Like Baked Alaska was a BuzzFeed like Obama liberal guy. Like, and it's, it's like on, it's like on record. It's just fascinating to see the transformation uh, that these people can make and contort. I mean, but Oliver Anthony, uh, you know, again, this idea that he was a viral sensation because what he was singing resonated is just also interesting that anybody who's worked in any capacity in the music industry, or really just anybody with common sense knows that. A song doesn't just go viral unless there's something like probably like almost mockable about it that's like not already like being pushed by like a giant marketing agency. Like that Friday Friday song yeah, that was yeah. done by that girl whose parents like paid for her to make a music video. That song went viral in part because it was just so fucking stupid. But maybe her parents did buy uh, marketing dollars for that too to get that on the internet. They probably actually did. So you can assume that anybody whose video is going viral, even if they're playing a guitar in their backyard, has a marketing engine behind them. That's how the music industry fucking works. It's pay to play. 
unless you are, you're already established, unless you have like a lot of local buzz about you, the chances of you making a song that's going to go viral on the internet, that's a fucking mundane, completely boilerplate, boring fucking guitar country song is extremely, extremely low. If he was playing, um, if he was farting a song that sounded like in perfect key to a country song and his asshole sang the lyrics that he wrote, then yeah, I could see that going viral as like a college, like crazy video, like viral <laughs> video. Like, look at this crazy dude, like singing with his asshole, getting like millions, of, you know, tens of millions of views. But it, it just uh, clearly there's something behind it. And it wasn't just the right wing being like, this is what real, this is what it's like to like go around the music industry and be, I mean, yeah, those people are lifting it up too, but tell us a little bit about how it came to be because there's like a weird backstory that kind of people just didn't notice and then moved on from, even well, though it was told by like one of these pieces of shit, uh, who's like another rebranded guy who used to be an Obama secret service agent. Who's now like a right really? media star. The MAGA Hulk? Dan Bongino. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Fox News guy. Um, yeah. yeah. So first of all, I mean, anytime that you see something going that viral, there's there's something extremely artificial to that. And in fact, I have never in my entire life seen something that artificially boosted in terms of like a piece of art or music. It was so forced on and so shoved down our throats from seemingly everyone like on both sides of the political spectrum because yeah. it just created this vicious feedback loop where like there was so much over analyzing of the politics of what could could be portrayed with the song i saw some people's huge threads and op-eds about how it was actually like about white supremacy that he was like a secret neo-nazi of course and then it's just like it just kept going and going um as the media tends to do but what was most fascinating was when the dust settled um, it, it, of course, it turns out that it was actually a completely artificial, there's actually evidence that Oliver Anthony didn't even write the song at all, which is one of the more fascinating elements of the story. So an account at the MAGA Hulk writes, I didn't want to comment on all of this because Oliver Anthony seems like a genuinely great guy, but Matt Walsh's sanctimonious word vomit forced my hand. There was nothing authentic about this song's rise to popularity. Jason Howerton seems to be the key player involved in the astroturfing campaign. He's the CEO of Reach Digital, which helps, quote, media companies and political influencers grow their social media footprint exponentially. Jason was one of the first accounts heavily promoting this song, as he provided a background on Oliver Anthony and his faith. Jason indicates that Oliver Anthony had been contacted to record the song, Jason also admits he even covered the cost to produce the record. So who wrote the song? And how did so many big right-wing accounts have the video ready to post simultaneously? You can like the song and its message without gaslighting us into believing this was an authentic viral hit by a simple countryman with a mic and a guitar. Quote, launch a product, get over 1.3 million hits, end quote, overnight, was the article Mr. Howerton shared on LinkedIn. This was another conservative AstroTurf campaign. So he includes snapshots of what he's talking about. There's the guy, Jason Howerton, who's the CEO of Reach Digital on LinkedIn. And he writes in his LinkedIn profile, he says, I help political influencers grow their social media footprint exponentially. Then on the next screenshot, 
He tweets, Oliver was about 30 days sober when someone reached out and asked him to come record a song for his YouTube channel. That song was Rich Men North of Richmond. Within days, the song was going viral on social media. Then it shows on Jason Howerton's LinkedIn profile the what the guy previously said. It says, launch a product to get over 1.3 million views. And it's a video of the song. It's that video. Rich Men North of Richmond. So he's promoting this on his own LinkedIn, being like, this is my product. I launched this product. I got over 1.3 million views overnight or whatever. Now it's the top, like the top song on like the top 100 billboard chart, which is just absolutely insane how this is just a complete marketing campaign. Potentially this guy orchestrated Oliver Anthony to write it. It's fascinating because Oliver Anthony is getting interviewed all over the place about how they use the song in like the GOP debates and like no one's asking him like about that. Which yeah. is just clearly the, the most bizarre <laughs> aspect of this song? whole story, <laughs> and like, who is like, who is he? That is really fascinating. So the whole thing is just like from top down, some kind of weird conservative viral marketing hoax. Yeah, even though Oliver Anthony seems to be wanting to distance himself from like again the political partisanship affiliated with the song, like now he's mm-hmm. just like it, it's about all politicians, it's about both Democrat and Republicans, and da da da. But it's like, well, what? Well, who are you? Yeah, like what is happening? It's it's uh, very fascinating, and a lot of people took the bait. I mean, I saw a lot of like libertarians and even like some popular like anti-imperialist people like completely taking the bait and doing like hour long segments on how it's like the, the basically a real version of the sarcastic opening to this episode saying that he's wow. being attacked by the liberal elites. This is like revealing the liberals for what they are against the working class and all this shit. It's like, how could you fall in for that? Like, it's obvious that it's something about it is fake from the get. I mean, but what you just said just sort of is the clincher, but it's like, you it's surprising to me people can't sniff this out better it's just a little embarrassing it's like how did you fucking fall for this the fuck dude (laughs) dan bodingo just confirmed the whole thing he quote treated this guy who said this is all an astroturf campaign and he was like jason works with me jason's a great guy who texted me last week he was blown away by the emotion in oliver's song jason wanted to help He flew from CA to NC to help Oliver get the message out. Yes, that's what he does. He uses digital platforms to spread the word. And it's like, well, hold on, because Jason literally just said, this guy, Oliver Anthony, was 30 days sober when when he was approached yeah to write a song and post it on his social media. Yeah, so he didn't didn't reference He's the one who's saying this. Yeah, he didn't, I like how, He's acting like he's admitting like, oh, you caught us. Yeah, this is how you spread digital message. It's like, you know, you're not addressing the part where it's like that it would, the whole thing was like fake, <laughs> that it's not even his song. But I mean, he's kind of trying to gloss over that by saying that he, that acting like it, he, this guy right. had heard his song and got like inspired right. or whatever to help. Even him. though the guy literally says himself that he didn't. Yeah. It's just, it's mind blowing. I mean, it really is just like PSYOP USA. I just feel like everything is just a PSYOP. Pretty and much, the, yeah. And the fact that this was the opening question at yeah. the Republican debate, um, mm-hmm. I think really says it all. It does. It was the opening salvo, baby. 
rich men north of Richmond, and they even played a clip from the song. They're like, why is it that this song just resonated so much with people? As we sit here tonight, the number one song on the Billboard chart is called Rich Men North of Richmond. It is by a singer from Farmville, Virginia, named Oliver Anthony. His lyrics speak of alienation, of deep frustration with the state of government and of this country. Washington, D.C. is about 100 miles north of Richmond. DeSantis, why is this song striking such a nerve in this country right now? What do you think it means? Ron DeSantis answered the first question about the Oliver Anthony song, and he he is so unconvincing and so unconfident. It's just so crazy. Like he he fared very badly. Yeah, his um, vibe was just the really people. off. Vibe was so strange. And 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 like the whole Hunter Biden thing. Within the first fucking answer to the question, DeSantis goes on a rant about how Hunter Biden is making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling lousy paintings. Robbie, why is that fair? That why is, is that fair when people can't afford groceries? That's so fascinating because to me it almost sounds like he even got lost in the thread. Like maybe he tried to get like coached by people on like, here's what the bereavement thing was. Here's like the bribery scandal. And then he just, he just like, no, the paint, I'll just talk about the paints. Cause that's just, talk about the it's more of a zinger. Bad. It's more yeah. of a zinger, man. Yep. I got this one. He just came across as a whiny little bitch. Um, it was just embarrassing. I mean, it really was embarrassing. What do you think it means? Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. And it starts with understanding we must reverse Bidenomics so that middle class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country if you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. That is wrong. We. We also cannot succeed when the Congress spends trillions and trillions of dollars. Those rich men north of Richmond have put us in this situation. And finally, we need to lower your gas prices. We're going to open up all energy production. We will be energy dominant again in this country. I showed it could be done in the state of Florida. I pledge to you as your president, we will get the job done and I will not let you down. Well, I like how the Homelander comparison kind of came out of, I don't know if it was, you know, where it originated from, but like, it's very, it would be very hard for him to shake that now. It's like after several clips of him came out of him doing like a weird, like head nod and then like a weird, uncomfortable, delayed smile to into the camera. Like, I think it might've been his opening line. He did some like weird head motion as he was talking and then he like, it was like a very delayed, like weird forced smile at the end. And someone like played it side by side with like Homelander from the boys doing the similar like weird tick. And it's like hard to not see it now. Like he is, 
he does have like a weird, uncomfortable, like sociopath, like energy, like Homelander from the boys. Once you, once you think of it that way, you can't unsee it when you 100%, see him talk. A hundred percent. Um, which is one of the more fun, let's just say that's one of the more fun aspects of these debates is getting things like that to sort of stick in the popular lexicon. Mm-hmm. Like Ro- Rubio the Robot. <laughs> low <laughs> energy Rubio Jeb. Robot. <laughs> Rubio the Robot. robot. Je- Jeb Bush, low energy Bush, um, low energy Jeb. I mean, all that shit. It's great. It's classic. Side note, DeSantis uh, apparently doesn't only enjoy overseeing Gitmo detainees being force-fed. He also quite enjoyed the harsh hazing techniques in his college dorm. This is a story that just came out from the New York Times. It says, according to former brothers and pledges, a large group of pledges quit after one hazing episode turned violent. Um, After entering one at a time, each into a room each was blindfolded and ordered to drop his pants with mr desantis there to mock their genitalia one of the pledges recalled that a blender was placed between his legs and abruptly turned on to scare him splashing water on his groin um during the fraternity's hell week pledges wore costumes smeared with rotten food and condiments they might be ordered to simulate sex with one another or do outdoor calisthenics and winter air According to four f- former pledges and brothers, Mr. DeSantis required one pledge for whom he served as father to wear a pair of baseball pants with the back and thighs cut out, exposing his genitals. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, the Gitmo stuff just seems truer and truer the more I find out about this guy. <laughs> it does. And it's also it's uh, it speaks to some other things that we don't know about Ron DeSantis. They're quite interesting. You know, with all the talk Absolutely. about everybody's acting like it's been confirmed that Obama was secretly gay because of that, like, one weird, like, book, like, autobiographer quote or whatever. It's like, I mean, come on, like, I mean, it seems like Ron DeSantis is dabbling into some interesting things for a guy who signals so hard against, like, the LGBTQ agenda. But anyways, that's right. Why does he enjoy? Discussion. Why does he enjoy looking and belittling like male genitalia so much? It just to blow, it's blow, a way to blow off steam. Yeah, just blowing off steam. Yeah. Just boys being boys. I Robbie. make guys take their dick out all the time when I'm stressed out and need to blow off steam. Yeah. And what's crazy about this whole GOP field is there is so many goddamn people running, Robbie. There's like ten more people running than even were at the debates. I I looked up because I forgot how many boring assholes were even like up on the stage because of just how meaningless some of them are and Mm -hmm. like non-persons they are but there was like tons more that weren't even there that are somehow running yeah i was curious about that too like one of them is like a hugely extremely pro-israel guy uh what's that guy's name that white that tall white guy you're gonna have to be more specific than that all of them are white except the tall white guy one black guy and nikki haley and vivek ramaswamy i don't know I don't know who you're talking about. Okay. There's here. Maybe I'll strike your memory. Larry Elder. I think it's Larry Elder. Unless he's the black guy. Conservative talk radio host. No, the black guy is Tim Scott. He's the only black Republican in the Senate. Okay. And then, then there's yeah, this is Larry Elder then. Doug Burgum. There's Aza Hutchington. There's Larry Elder. There's Will Hurd, Perry Johnson, Francis Suarez, and then Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, Trump, and Pence. It's a complete circus. It's, it's weird because I don't circus. remember several of those people even being in the debates that you just mentioned. That's what I mean. Like huh. half of them weren't even there. 
Oh, weird. So they're yeah. So they're technically in the race, but they didn't show up. I I don't understand. I was really surprised to see how many people are are actually technically running that yeah. weren't actually in the debates because like the debates. It was really what was most striking, other than the fact that Trump wasn't there. And allegedly, like... Such a power move, dude. Such, such a fucking So ballsy. he didn't show up on his own accord, mm-hmm. right? Like, he wasn't banned because of the indictment thing. He no. he, he didn't want to because no. he was like, I don't need to. Yeah. Why wouldn't he want to, though? He would have crushed it. He basically... His rationale was actually pretty reasonable in the sense that it's it sounded like he actually like thought it through... And, where he said, I think he said on Truth Social that he's like, I'm already like 50% in the polls, far higher than any candidate. Like, why should I bother wasting the time to get harassed by all these people who are doing like a lot worse than me? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not wrong. Yeah, he's not. I mean, like, it is kind of weird that he just has the automatic built in, you know, popularity. And uh, he really doesn't have to. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't do any of them. Right. You know, he's really um, oddly slumming it during this whole campaign. Like the fact that he really hasn't utilized Twitter until Mm -hmm. his first tweet back uh, on Twitter was a picture of his mugshot. Like that's like wasting like an opportunity. You have millions of followers still on your account. That's where people remembered you almost the most in certain ways. So why are you just not using it like out of pride because you don't want to act like you missed it i don't even know or is it just because he wants to promote his own social media service that no one's even going to use it's interesting um what's your take it is super interesting i mean i i'm really surprised too to see how little he's utilizing twitter yeah given that he was given his platform back i mean i think I don't know if he's just scorned about it because of how he was previously banned. He's like, I don't need it even. And truthfully, I don't think he does. Even though he's such a narcissist, you would think he would just want the negative news feedback loop like Elon does all the time. But on Truth Social, he was just like, I am leading the field. I will not be doing the debates. And he is leading 54%. And I am surprised at, I mean, I guess there's like no other people that are even viable other than someone like Ron DeSantis because of his whole culture war coup that he's done in the country. But like he's, he's at 15%. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's going to fare after the debate. He did so poorly. He was such a wishy washy idiot and just so unconvincing in his own arguments that I was just like, he's, he's toast. He would get crushed, him and Trump. He almost got um, like no press, negative or positive from the that's debate. Like, so interesting. He just kind of, it was like, well, here you are. And I don't right. I don't know what happened. Like, it, it does seem weird that maybe just in a bubble of his own sort of PR, like in Florida, it's, it's like he's able to create the illusion that he's this sort of formidable opponent who can get really argumentative and stuff, but like when it really comes to the real thing, he just fucking sank. Like he, he his, sank. his energy, he seemed nervous to me too. That was something I was a little surprised by. Did you get, did you get that oh, at all? Yeah. No, he was to- total nervous energy, stuttering, stammering, the whole raising his yeah. hand after looking at Vivek raising his hand. I mean, all, there were so many moments that were mortifying for him, I thought. It was almost like he wasn't ready for the reality of like being surrounded by people who are more seasoned at this specific thing. 
like being in this realm of politics. It was like something about, I don't know. He like, he just wasn't prepared, prepared enough or something, even though he's been in Congress. I I mean, it was odd. It was odd to witness. Everybody else seemed more relaxed than him. I mean, that was my, that was like the surprise takeaway for me about him Mm -hmm. in the debates. Do you believe that Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th? So here's what we need to do. We need to end the weaponization of these federal agents. Right, but I will do that. That's not the question. Here, I, I know, but here's the thing. You can answer this the election <laughs> is not about January 6th of 2021. It's about January 20th of 2025, when the next president is going to take office. I know what the Democrats would like to do. They want to talk about all these other issues, but we've got to focus on your future. We've got to focus on reversing the decline of our country. Right, right. I learned in the military, I was assigned uh, with U.S. Navy SEALs in Iraq, that you focus on the mission above all else. You can't get distracted. So Republicans, we've got to look forward and we've got to make sure that we're bringing the message that can win in November 2025. Agrees. Well, the biggest takeaway from me, especially hearing you break down who Vivek Ramaswamy was on the last episode, was how much he was artificially signal boosted at the debates and after the debates. And also before leading into the debates, he's been like getting a ton of airtime on big media networks. So Mm. I knew I just knew that something was odd, like he was being almost elevated to become this front runner like in this front runner like position. Yeah, and like purposefully so. Like it wasn't just by chance. I mean, no. someone who just drops in out of nowhere and is given that much time at a presidential debate who has no political history at all and who's a complete cutout of Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. And he's just out there forcing himself into every... He's interjecting and being allowed to. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say he was the most, by far, the most memorable figure at the debate because he is very slick he because he's this quote-unquote political outsider everything was like in the rhetorical framework of like you're the political elites the corporate yeah, media like the Trump deep state style. it was like yeah. it was like ron DeSantis, but better in terms of trying to narrow down that was that a hand raise you do not i think it was a hand raise for him and it's um, my hands are in my pockets no, because no, no, the climate change agenda is a hand. let us be honest as republicans i'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for so i can say this the climate change oh, whoa, agenda whoa, whoa, whoa. is a oh, hoax oh, the climate change ridiculous. agenda is a hoax and we have to declare independence for and the reality is the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of action. Hold on. In the last century. Listen, listen, listen. Had, no, Let, wait, enough. Hold no. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like <laughs> chat GPT standing up here. And... It was like Ron DeSantis, but better in terms of trying to narrow down that. Like, you guys all have these canned responses because Ron DeSantis is a politician. So it's like he was coming at him even with that talking point that like all these people are just canned spouting off like these pre like super pack given narratives. And you're just like puppeted Uh by super packs. It's like, well, who's your super pack, dude? Who's get? I mean, I know that you've like made billions of dollars off some like shady ass like biotech company but it's like who's in your pockets man 
Well, it's I mean, let's let's go into it a, a little bit because it's it's really interesting that uh, he I, I first heard of him and I've and I've heard about this later. I mean, like, I, I think I probably first heard of him when he started running um, at the very beginning. But one of the interesting things about him is he actually founded this uh, this investment firm. This uh, investment firm that uh, Vivek started uh, was started about two years ago called Strive Asset Management. Um, it was funded by, uh, or sorry, it was founded by Vivek Ramaswamy, um, who, as you already said, uh, had made a bunch of money in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, that's what biotech, you know, that's in his case, it was on uh, pharmaceutical investment. So it's interesting. Uh-huh. He's been signaling a lot as some kind of like right wing guy on, on in terms of the COVID position, acting like he's against lockdowns, vaccines and things like that. Um, and I mean, it shouldn't come as any surprise to people either that he's completely rebranded himself. Hello, Abby? Yeah. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. That he's completely rebranded himself um, since January 6th happened because now he's basically acting like he's the most vociferous Trump defender and that the Trump indictments are an affront to democracy, yet he was openly and unabashedly saying that, like, that using words like treason, insurrection about January 6th. So that's just how much he's rebranded in such a short period of time to give you an example of this and just to show you how he's all over the place politically seemingly just knowing what to say to basically capture some of that Trump energy. Um, in 2022, he started this asset management strive asset management, um, Ohio based firm. And basically, uh, this is what, um, his stated mission was with the investment firm. That Americans want iconic American brands like Disney, Coca-Cola, and Exxon, and U.S. tech giants like Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, and Google to deliver high-quality products that improve our lives, not controversial political ideologies that divide us. Now, in case that didn't come across, basically, this paradigm, this investment firm's idea or premise is that it's anti-woke, that it's going to help lift up companies and investors who are... Uh, I guess, not driven by political ideology, which is hilarious, you know, to think that like all these companies are driven by some form of basically at default position, right wing political ideology. But yet this, you know, creates the false impression that wokeism is actually like a serious core value that these companies really want to push on the public. And it's also interesting because it's like, it's almost like, um, you know, creating like a ghost hunting business and scamming people into thinking that there's ghosts out there to get business for your ghost hunting, you know, company. Cause it's like, is, is there really like a threat to investors of wokeism? It's like, why, like most of those people who are like investors or big, big wigs in business, they know that like politics in general, you only talk about it if it's like not going to like put your bottom line at risk. So like, what does this even mean? Like, why would, it's almost like creating like a fake thing. Like, are there investors out there who are scared they're going to be canceled for being not woke enough? Like, are, is like, maybe there are, like, maybe there's even people who are like, you know, worth hundreds of millions of dollars who are dumb enough to like fall for this sort of 
right-wing media signaling. And this is what someone like Vivek is trying to capture. That's like one pot. I mean, that that's how it kind of looks to me. I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just want to go back to the fact that he wrote words like treason and was like harshly criticizing Trump because I think it just, it speaks to just the core of his phoniness. Um, because that's, all he was doing on the debate stage was just basically lauding Trump and saying Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century and that, you know, he was the first person to just confidently raise his hand when it was like, would you support Trump as a nominee if he were indicted of a federal crime? And even to the point where Trump reacting to the debate was just like, I thought that guy Vivek did well, but like all he did was praise me. Like, is he sure that he's running against me? Wow. He said that? Yeah. Where? Uh, in an interview, I, I heard someone talking about it. Um, and I heard, and I read a quote, but I forget what the source was, but, but yeah, I think that really says it all. It's like, what is this guy trying to do? Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I could think of is that it's what a lot of these other people are trying to do. There's some sort of weird, it's like create like a center of influence and then like drive some kind of agenda through it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like other people, we're probably trying to do that with someone like Trump, but he was like too a little bit too much of a wild card and, and just narcissistic mm -hmm. and all over the place to make that a hyper functional thing. Someone like Vivek Ramaswamy seems like kind of perfectly suited to do that. Except the problem is he's Indian and like most right wing voters like won't, you know, they'll still prefer like a white guy or or someone who's Christian, you know, because there's already like counter you know since we're getting some inner intra gop warring right now among these candidates there are already some right wingers trying to be like oh yeah he's talking about the nuclear family but you know he's on a christian and worships like a bunch of like deities named such and such like naming like hindu deities so they're like already <laughs> trying to like use the racism card against him um oh man i didn't realize he wasn't a christian that that's gonna be tough for him oh yeah yeah that's gonna be really tough for him i mean he'll probably say he is you know if it like if he's if he's a you know, like nailed down on an interview. Mm -hmm. I, I could see him just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Like I believe in Jesus Christ or whatever, but I also believe in such yeah. and such because of my family tradition. And like the, I mean, like he just seemed like he probably already has like practiced out whatever, you know, if that oh, ever he's comes practiced out a lot, dude. I mean, he, I was impressed with how fake scripted his little rants were like how much of a, like, like you said before, a televangelist, personification he was embodying mm -hmm. it seemed very artificial but also very rehearsed it was like just very it was a very slick delivery and performance and he was mm -hmm. just ready to go i mean he was at the top of his game and it does seem like he is handpicked to be put out there i don't know where this motherfucker came from or how or who was really like behind this campaign of trying to insert him shocker yeah surprise yeah. peter Thiel is actually right. again it almost seems like he's blake masters 2.0 i remember saying this a few months ago maybe i even i mean i don't know saying i predicted it but i remember saying like vivek is already going in the direction of like signaling towards like paleo conservatives and like libertarians which is an interesting strategy it seems like he's maybe paypal mafia controlled and then just like Blake Masters, he said pretty much the same stuff. Like I would appoint like Rand Paul or like Ron Paul to be the head mm -hmm. of the Federal Reserve. It's like this feels like scripted. Like this is coming specifically out of the PayPal mafia's like m messaging lexicon. 
It's like somehow they're like, well, if Trumpism worked and if like the MAGA movement worked, then why can't we loop back and like further water down like what people were so into with paleocons? You know, we already got all the conspiracies going. We already got, you know, libertarianism watered down with the Tea Party. Like why not just hit at something even deeper than Trump hit at to give it even more believable seeming authenticity? And it, You're that's totally right. I mean, that's because that's what it seems like. It's like, how could someone like a Vivek Ramaswamy have actually been like a legitimate Ron Paul supporter? I mean, say what you want about Ron Paul. It just doesn't add up. Right. You know? Even right. Blake Masters was more believable. Right. Like, because he was just like this fresh face, like guy who like interned, you know, for Teal, but then actually like wrote for Lou Rockwell back in college at the same time and shit. Like Vivek Ramaswamy just seems like a complete plant. And his voice alone is like, this is like the voice of a televangelist slash like QVC host. It, it's just that alone should give people red flags. I'm going to get Vivek first. We'll get to both of yeah, This isn't that complicated, guys. Unlock American energy, drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. Put people back to work by no longer paying them more to stay at home. Reform the U.S. Fed, stabilize the U.S. dollar, and go to war. The only war that I will declare as U.S. president will be the war on the federal administrative state that is the source of those toxic regulations acting like a wet blanket on the economy. So I'm not sure I exactly understood Mike Pence's comment, but I'll let you all parse that out. For me, it's pretty simple. That's something a U.S. president can do with focus, and I'll deliver on well, it. Well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, Vivek, if I can. I'll go slower this time. I, you know, I, I sometimes struggle with the reading conversation. Was- so, I don't know. I just find it yeah. fascinating. No, it is. It's really fascinating, the fact that he goes up there and has this huge vision that he calls, like, the, the priority is to cut his, like, big vision is to basically just gut the entire Department of Education. Uh-huh. Um, and so for someone to go up there and, and say that, I mean, that really sends chills down my spine. It's like out of all the things that you're looking at in the country right now, that's that's the big declarative war that you're going to wage is against well, teachers and like fucking education in this country. Well, again, I think it is a tactic to sort of hit all these different political movements at once. It's like he's not railing against the LGBT movement mm. specifically even though he's probably put out some signaling out there or or statements i haven't paid attention he's trying to hit on again like libertarians who've always wanted the department of education taken down and the like moral you know self-righteous conservatives who now believe that it's like a grooming engine because of like right. lgbt right right so right. it's like he's doing both at once it's and and I don't even and that's to me speaks to a level of like more sophisticated gaming out the strategy in his rhetoric. Just like in a previous episode, we were saying he said the climate change agenda is a hoax. Not he didn't say climate change was a hoax. Just the agenda, and that's an, it gives him an interesting out, you know, to act like well climate change is real, but you know here's what the causes and da 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 like to sound like he's giving a more reasonable answer. Um, exactly. So exactly. I, I don't know where he's going to go, but I do fear that someone like him is going to climb higher. You know, his phone, his blatant phoniness is not, doesn't seem to have been stopping him so far at all. Yeah. I mean, he sounds so phony, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's exactly what's going to catch. Mm-hmm. 
um, with people. And that, that's who people are going to look to and be like, he's a billionaire outsider, just like Trump, mm-hmm. even though Trump wasn't a billionaire. But like he's an outsider. He's self-funded. He's not a part of the system. He's he's hitting the right keywords. He's triggering the right people. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what's going to like stick with people is just seeing this guy who just is a very good used car salesman. I mean, that's what he is. And he's hitting on all the right like target audiences. It's like libertarianism is like folding in with neoconservatism and like all of these things are converging and he he's smart enough to know what to say and what not to say. Um, one thing that it was really interesting that he did say is that he said that he's talking about a revolution, Robbie. Ron Paul revolution. Hitting on that that word again. It's like, really, do you know what revolution means, though? It doesn't just mean, like, dismantling the federal government. <laughs> like, fucking idiot. I mean, it does, but not in the way that you want to. Dumbass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole climate change agenda is a hoax. I mean, he he goes on to say that the anti-carbon agenda is what is the wet blanket on our economy. And he said more people are dying of climate change policies than of actual climate change. More people are dying of anti-climate change or more people are dying of climate change policies than of actual climate change. That is, is an it, astounding talking point. What is that? What does that mean specifically? What do you think he's talking about there? That like, like, uh, like forest mismanagement, like, what does he mean? I'm just, I'm curious. Just hinting toward the, uh, like almost like hinting toward the great reset agenda 21 shit without even specifying anything at all about what he means by climate change policies. What has actually been enacted? Like Biden has opened more drilling than Trump has. What is happening on a domestic level that is even considered a climate change policy? Like subsidizing electric cars? Like I seriously am confused about what these people are talking about. And then he goes on to be like, here's the answer. He's like, it's not complicated how to fix the economy, Robbie. He's like, we should burn more coal drill and frack and it's like oh okay so we're gonna actually just go back to burning coal cool i mean it's surprising to me that more like counter information war hasn't happened against him even from within the right because i'm looking at his original company roivent sciences which is how it looks like he made most of his money which has a headquarters in switzerland so this is how serious he was about pharmaceuticals 2015, he founds this actual pharmaceutical drug making company. And one of the most current things that they've done is uh, they collaborated and unveiled a thing called Priovant Therapeutics with Pfizer. So it's like for the amount of like shit that the right talks about the pharmaceutical companies, it's fascinating that he has somehow not managed to get like hit or slammed with this yet. It's like he literally, his company is working with Pfizer, like the one that everybody constantly brings up, you know, as being like one of the number one enemies in the country, along with Bill Gates, Fauci, the WEF. I mean, isn't that fascinating of itself that he's managed to like not get assaulted for this in the media or in the right wing media? I mean, but Robbie, he's went on Tucker Carlson's show and said that we need to ask questions about the vaccines. What did we know? What did we know going into this? Just hitting all the right keywords, baby. I wonder if he makes, I wonder if he specifically doesn't call out Pfizer. And there would be interesting to just rewatch that to see if he actually calls them them out by name. Right. Um, but anyways, I mean, he has a very interesting past, you know, 
and it's it's different than just being like a rich guy who's now running for president. I think it's different than that. Um, even though he does seem very very wealthy, and but that doesn't explain why he's able to be on the mainstream media so often. Even before his polling went up, even before the debates, he was getting a lot of coverage, interviews on CNN and all these big networks. And I'm just thinking, like, how? What is happening here? Does he just have a really good marketing agency, talent agency? Like, who is setting this up? You know, and I and I, it's yeah, I'm, I am alleging a conspiracy because it's fucking weird. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's completely bizarre. It makes no sense at all. I mean, after the Blake Masters thing and after just all these Peter Thiel cutouts, I guess that's what I mean. Like, what is he doing and what is the purpose of this? Because Mm -hmm. you kind of have to ask that about just Peter Thiel in general. Like, what is the purpose of of all these things that he's seeding out? What is his end goal? What, What would his ideal political landscape look like? I mean, um, I think it would be a quasi authoritarian, but also like giving people the impression of like complete deregulation and freedom. It'd be sort mm-hmm. of this like juxtaposition of like, we're giving you more freedoms, don't you see? But at the same time, like, you know, more, even more horrible shit would happen in terms of like the way industry is conducted. I mean, it's that's, that's, you know, just a short encapsulation. Right. Of what it'd probably be like, we'd right. probably be seeing things like self-driving cars, you know, in every major city right now. Um, like if he was, like, say, if Peter Thiel was somehow president of the United States, I feel like we would have already seen that being launched everywhere, being like, "This is the way we solve public transportation," is like just driverless automated cars everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, you know what I mean? Like it's just complete dereg. I mean, the fact that that even got approved in SF to begin with is completely fucking shocking to me i was already shocked seeing news about it but i actually saw for the first time with my own eyes a driverless car i was talking to Lori in the car i was like wouldn't it be crazy if we saw one this night and within like 30 seconds a car driving towards me in an intersection where i had to yield to it to make a left was driverless i, I looked to the left i was like there's no one driving that car that is so that fucking is weird insane dude and then we saw another one like uh, like 10 minutes later. No way. Yeah. So they're all over San Francisco right now. Oh There's my God, already driverless so cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a technocratic dystopia, you know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like a nightmare scenario to have these tech overlords just like implementing whatever they want because they're rich enough and they're powerful enough and influential enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about how he's dabbled in conspiracism and also like is now this anti-neocon slayer. Well, yeah, this is an interesting moment he had. And of all people, this like idiotic fucking piece of shit. I mean, he's not even worth mentioning my name. But his name is Alex Stein. He's like a wannabe right wing comedian who interviewed Vivek Ramaswamy and then like asked him if he thinks anything is suspicious about 9-11. And... I'm not exactly sure what his, I remember his answer seemed like it was saying something along the lines of, yeah, I think there is th- things suspicious. And, you know, um, and then he started talking about January 6th, like comparing it to like what mm-hmm. the government told us about January 6th. And then he like followed it up with like a very strange tweet being like, what are the chances of like, you know, how many federal agents were on those planes or something? Like he made a very completely out of left field, like, out-of-pocket comment about 9-11 like that I don't even really know what he was trying to say 
Because it's like what no one, not even like the conspiracy people think that like there were like feds on the plane who like sacrificed themselves for the greater good of the op of 9-11. Like that is a weird thing to suggest. And then he basically just like backpedaled from it. Uh, There was like a really quick little smear campaign attempt in the media being like he's a 9-11 truther and all this shit. And then it like went away really quick. So it, it seemed to almost just be like he took the bait of some weird right-wing radio host who's like never talks about this stuff before who just decided to ask him about it. Um, I, I, that's how, what I got from it. Uh, and so I don't, I don't really know. I mean, again, he is, he's dabbling in conspiracies, I think in a much more savvy way than that little weird slip up seems to show. Like he, is not going very far in, in in terms of sounding really extreme in some of the conspiracies he'll, he'll like kind of dabble in. So it's surprising he would even make a comment like that or like, or, or maybe instead it's surprising he didn't just say like, yeah, I have some questions about it, but like that's a whole other discussion, like for some other time or something. Right. No, that is, that's crazy that he said that about nine 11. What the hell? Yeah. I, um, I just saw the thing on Tucker, that five minute clip where he was like, I mean, he says a lot. But why would the Wall Street Journal take time out of its busy schedule of defending low capital gains taxes to attack you over this? You know, what's interesting is, I think that there's a bipartisan consensus in this country right now that we, the people, we can't handle the truth. It's like Jack Nicholson at the end of the movie, right? You can't handle the truth. You need me on that wall. My view, my basic view in this campaign is, no, we don't need you on that wall. And yes, we can handle the truth. COVID-19, what was the origin? What did we know about the vaccines before we mandated them? What did we know about Hunter Biden's dealings before we systematically suppressed that story? What do we know about the truth of what happened on January 6th? What do we know about that Nashville shooter manifesto, the transgender individual who shot up a bunch of people in a Christian school? That's why I went to Nashville not that long ago, because Bill Lee, a Republican governor of Tennessee, now wants to pass a red flag law in Tennessee without releasing that manifesto. The whole point is the public can't handle the truth. And so I had offline discussions. I mean, we're talking with, you know, big donors in the Republican Party, big folks in media, executives and otherwise who said, hey, listen, okay, even if what you're saying is true, this is not helping you. I said, why is that the first question that should go through my mind? Right. I mean, personally, I think. The way I'm running this campaign is I'm not thinking about what's helping me or not before I say it. So far, at least that actually, that approach does seem to be helping me. Yes. We're doing all right. But even if I weren't, I'd rather lose some election than to play some political snakes and ladders of what we're supposed to say. And I think that that's really one of the questions at issue today, as it was in 1776. Do we believe that the public can be trusted with the truth, whatever the truth is, just give me the hard truth. You know, he kind of just hits all the t- all the right talking points um, about vaccines, lockdowns. And then he's like, and where is the transgender shooters manifesto? Like, why won't they release? It? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because like Gren Greenwald is all constantly railing about that still. So it's like Excuse not even really me? like, oh, you didn't know that? Even though but, there's just, even though like one shooting just happened where a mass shooter was just like a total neo-Nazi and just killed three black people like days ago. We're still talking about the, the one transgender shooter 100% who shot up the, oh my God. Because, because someone 
according to Glenn, it's not just that like the liberal media trying to cover this up, you know, so that they can only make right wing shooters look bad. It's that it's also a conspiracy by the Nashville police like department. Like that's how much head up his ass he's gone into just like regurgitating like right wing media narratives. And it's like, look, on why, that issue, why are they, why are they, what, what does he mean? Like, why is it a cover up from the Nashville police that they don't want us to see his transgenderism or they don't want to like, screed? Us, or they don't want the right to be able to create a narrative that transgenderism leads to violence. And maybe Glenn Greenwald b- believes that I really do not fucking know, <laughs> but it's a weird obsession <laughs> that he's been like obsessed with ever since like they wouldn't release it. And it's like, dude, like what the fuck? Like my my take on it is like, yeah, I could see even if there is some kind of conspiracy to suppress it, which I don't even think there is, I can understand it because like, what if the, what if the shooter did like make it seem like their own transgenderism, like led them to the murder, then like, then like that just give a ton of fuel to the right. And so in a way, like I can understand not giving that over to them. It's like, if the right wing wanted to like prevent a mass shooters manifesto coming out saying Ben Shapiro, the guy watched Ben Shapiro, they would try to do that too. So it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, um, it's odd. The, Anyways, it's, that's a complete it's absolutely. Tangent, I mean, I mean, it is a good tangent though, because it's like, dude, there are documented white nationalist shootings like every other day. Not only the guy who just killed three black people in Jacksonville, like this week, but the other, I mean, so many people that all the all the right wing media was up in arms about being like, how these tattoos are too fresh. Like, how is it possible that this guy has like this fresh Nazi mm-hmm. tattoo on him? Like, this must be fake. This must be a psyop. It's like, no, dude, this is Occam's razor. These people are pretty much fascists and racists and they're open about it. That's like 99 percent mm-hmm. of the mass shootings. Like, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But now it's like, and then you have Glenn Greenwald saying this crazy shit as well as Vivek, and they just are obsessed with this Nashville Catholic school shooting because it was a transgender mm-hmm. man. And it does tie right into this debate because Glenn Greenwald fucking was sitting with Jordan Peterson and um, who else was he with? He was with some other like, hold on. Yeah, he was hanging out with Jordan Peterson, interviewing Matt Gates, all friendly, talking about what neocon slayers these people are, Robbie. Like, it's amazing. This roundtable analysis, super hard-hitting stuff. Glenn Greenwald's right in there with the crew. It is Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin, who he previously mocked relentlessly, saying he's not never to be taken seriously. He's a total joke. He's sitting there butting, butting up with no Dave Rubin. No way. Wait, was yeah. this on System Update? It was, was like on- for Rumble. It was like... It was like a it rumble, like, like round yeah, table or something. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, there. If people don't already know that Glenn Greenwald actually has like a media contract, or at least they're directly paying him. It's not like he's only getting paid by his Rumble subscribers. So that's that's notable in and of itself. I mean, I could see why you know it's a basically a PayPal mafia op. I could see why they'd want Glenn Greenwald to sort of host a a round table or something to that effect. Um, but yeah, I watched parts of that and it was just fascinating to see them acting like, why would someone like Nikki, like, and Glenn Greenwald has just tweeted this again recently. Like, why would someone like Nikki Haley not feel the pulse of like what the voting base is and, and sound so hawkish? Like, why would she even bother running if she's so hawkish? It's like, what are you talking about? You were, you've been around long enough to know that this idea that the Republicans base is somehow anti-war is not true. Like, at at most, they don't want 
they have a problem with money going to Ukraine instead of going to other places. There's no moral opposition to it. There's no, there's nothing like that. So why would Glenn Greenwald act shocked? Nikki Haley is actually much more part of the norm of the Republican Party cycles. Like so, in a way, I mean, it doesn't. It's just weird that he would act like this little blip of time where Republicans say they oppose the Ukraine war is 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 meaningful at all. I mean, it is it is fascinating to see how much emphasis and meaning he has piled on top of that. He even wants Michael it to be Tracy, true so bad. Yeah, even Michael Tracy, you know, who's a contrarian, who's like, you know, it's like a broken clock effect. Like him, one of his best broken clock moments was he. He decided to be a contrarian against Greenwald's obsession with this idea that Republicans are now the strong anti-war bulwark. He's like, he's he 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 completely made Glenn look like a fucking moron on his show, and Glenn Greenwald literally had to change the subject because he said Michael Tracy was fixated on the idea that Republicans weren't anti-war. Like, oh, I know you're so fixated on this, so let's just like move on to something else. Like, no, it's it's that you're fucking wrong, and you're a, like, I don't know if he's deluded himself into basically becoming a pathological liar, but to do it this often, it's like, what is wrong with you? He wants like, it to be so true. I mean, you want to believe it's part of his identity. Yeah, it's like, do you want to believe, or is it something more suspicious than that? Are you actually being paid to push this stuff? Like when no, Matt, Taibbi- I think that no, I think that he is this this obsessed because he's made it such a big part of his identity and he's such a baby about it that he can't let go. He can't uncouple that notion. After you tie yourself to Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and you really push, you're like the biggest proponent of this idea, like how could you backpedal on it now? You just have to call everyone who disagrees with you with facts, Demo- Democrat partisans. Yeah. Or like rad libs or whatever he, he'll, you know, basically any of his critics... Uh, that that get, basically nail him. He just put tries to put him in the box and say they're just a Democrat, or they're just basically a Democrat. But he's not a Republican. Yeah, he's it's not like a Republican. it's well, no one is Abby. No one, no one wants to actually admit they're right wing. No one wants to admit they're racist. You know, it's like I don't know if you've seen the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire's Twitter account. It's like That's they've been getting so insane, increasingly edgelord, stupid, dumb fuck shit, like acting like communists should be killed making like crude references about black people and stuff and then then and then they get all butthurt nina turner should go back to like picking cotton or something yeah and then they get all butthurt when people basically are calling them nazis and it's like if we were nazis we would just say it's like no you a lot of nazis don't say because they're pussies just like i've always (laughs) said if I, you know, as horrific as it is, I respect someone who's actually honest about what they are instead of playing this right. game and act like, no, I, that wasn't racist. I meant this. Like, no, you fucking are repeating like neo-Nazi propaganda, you fucking idiot. Like, we could see right through it. But we care so much about funding Nazis in Ukraine. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking about a country that just had a person killed for displaying a LGBTQ flag in their window in San Bernardino, California. The land of the fruits and nuts, baby. This is oh, what's yeah. happening just right outside of L.A. Yeah, that that story was pretty fucked up. Some guy just destroyed the flag, and then the woman came out to like, basically like yell at him, and he shot her. Yeah. Or he went back into her shop and shot her. I don't know yes. exactly. Yes, that's that is what happened. But... And this is and but people are still just obsessed about the one trans mass shooter. 
How and even when they're not trans, always... Abby, they still try to make them trans if they look like they right, right, right. could yep. be fe- have feminine mm-hmm. features. Like when Candace Owens said that the Uvalde school shooter was definitely like some kind of either goth femboy or like trans person. Or the person on, like, who the shot up the July 4th um, parade and then put on a disguise. And then that was proof that he was really trans because he oh, just yeah. put on like a wig because he was trying to run away from the cops. Or the kid who basically used as his defense that he was um, transgender. Like oh, the, right. Oh, yeah. That oh, one no. Too? Glenn Greenwald ran with that one. He still does. Yeah. it's No, uh, he it's, still runs with that, even though that wasn't even like issued during the trial at all. It was like completely abandoned, yeah. but it still is used by these people to be like, oh, no. It just surprised more people don't take a step back and be like, what is like, what do I actually think about this? I don't care what Glenn Greenwald <laughs> thinks about it. I don't care what the right wing thinks about it. I don't even care what the, like the mainstream media thinks about it. Like, what do, how do I feel? But it's just like, nobody, it just seems like so many people just repeat talking points from their preferred media outlets. It makes it's, me honestly want to not do this anymore. Yeah. I, do I don't blame politics you. anymore. I mean, I don't blame, we, we still have a, you know, a lot of people value what we're doing where we're trying to offer, like, even though we're very staunch, like staunchly on the left, we still try to offer like our own takes on things. And I think people do value that, but the people you, that are loudest and that get the most like attention on these social media networks, especially Twitter are literally just like in a feedback loop of talking points. It is very hard to find like actual people who are not doing that. I mean, or who are not just like suspicious in some way, like basically carrying out the agenda of some other political, you know, group. Right. Um, so it sucks, right. but no, it, it really does. And I, yeah, I, I'm wanting to disengage more and more, but I, I do value media roots and that's why I want to keep doing it with you. Cause it's like, it is important for that reason alone. It's not like the, the, a lot of like the liberal alt media that you, get that gets seems to get the most attention like also seems to take up the most space is becoming this like scapegoat of being like these people are just like laundering democratic talking points and it's like that's all they just like there's no real like leftists mm-hmm. left who are who are actually against the establishment and against the democratic party it's like no there's a ton of them they just are not signal boosted and don't take up that much energy you are purposely or deliberately ignoring those people or like right. our podcast it's like all they point to is like the young turks majority mm. report and that shit and they'll be like see and it's like well yeah the like i find it really fucking annoying when those people like agree with like terrible foreign policy positions you know like i mean but that doesn't negate the fact that there's a ton of leftists out there who know that the MAGA communism thing is like an op or it's fake, who know that Biden is basically a war criminal, who know that the Ukraine war is bad. There's plenty of people out there. They just do not have, they don't get signal boosted. Just like always the real left who maintains principles and who, and who actually fights the fight for real, they don't get publicity. It's people who do clickbait or who manage to plug in themselves to some sort of weird you know, media apparatus that's already shady, like Tucker Carlson and things like that. But the real individuals who are out there doing the work, you don't hear, you have to basically seek them out specifically. That's very true. They're not, they're not put into your home feed. You know, they're not, it's, it doesn't work like that. You're absolutely right. And that's what makes, going back to Vivek Ramaswamy, that's what makes him so sus because no one 
comes out of left field like that. Like all these seasoned politicians on the stage, like they barely spoke. And it wasn't because they just weren't as like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. outgoing as Vivek. I mean, it was clearly all like pre-engineered to make him this dominant voice and to have him be like the star of the show. And the whole neocon slayer narrative, like where he's just like, he was the only one on the stage that was pretty clearly like, I will stop funding Ukraine. Um, DeSantis kind of deflected and just talked about how he didn't answer any questions. He just like segued the question about Ukraine and started talking about how he wants to send troops to Mexico and how they're going to use force in Mexico. And it was like, oh, you're actually insane. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're going to send troops to the southern border and kill cartels with drones. Like, holy shit, that's actually really fucking scary, man. And that's, for some reason, become, like, a popular Republican talking point, yeah. too. Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a bunch of yep. people have been saying that for a while. And it's like, where did that even come from? Yeah, but, Robbie, it's, anti, it's anti-neocon. It's really anti-neocon, yeah, because it's all part of the same thread. Don't you see how renegade it is to say that we're going to drone strike cartels at the Mexican border? In a way, um, I kind of can, yeah, actually. Now that you say that, it is yeah. pretty anti-neocon. I mean, come on. And then- Because yeah, that's the so, globalist, Abby. Mexico right. is part of the globalist agenda. That's why they're weaponizing all these immigrants against us to cripple our economy. Mexico is waging asymmetrical warfare via the WEF and the Fast globalist and agenda. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you support sending U.S. special forces- over the border, into Mexico. Yes, and I will do it on day one. In a way, it is anti-neocon. And it's very anti-neocon also to continuously say that China is the real threat we face. The real threat we face today is communist China. And we are driving Russia further into China's arms. The Russia-China military alliance is the single greatest threat we face. Nobody in either political party is talking about it. And I am the the only non-neocon on this stage. Screeching from the top of his lungs, as Vivek did during the debate. Um, that is the exact line of the U.S. intelligence community, and that is what you heard from Nikki Haley. I mean, Nikki Haley went on an insane tangent about Putin and Ukraine, too. Um, but you you heard almost every person on the stage say this alliance between Russia and China is the threat. It's like that's why it's like was very clearly revealed. Anyone who pretends to to care about funding Ukraine for the reasons of like spending money at home instead, really their ulterior motive is to not strengthen the alliance of Putin and Xi Jinping because we need to counter China. China's the enemy. Countering Russia is just a distraction and actually helps strengthen and embolden China because it just strengthens their allegiance. Um, so that's that's where it all came down to. And pretty much every single candidate on that stage echoed that sentiment. So you know, you would hear way more, quote unquote, anti-neocon, anti-war rhetoric from someone like Bernie Sanders than you did from Vivek, Ramasamy, or DeSantis. So yeah. I, I don't understand where this is coming from, but man, people really want to believe. They really, really want to believe it. Also, it's like, what did what was Vivek Ramaswamy's like opinions on Ukraine, you know, just like a year or two ago? Great question. I mean, it's pro- they're probably oddly opposite i mean it, it's you really have to look at this guy's track record of what he's put out there publicly and it really does seem like a very savvy i guess but also just like transparent rebranding campaign absolutely there's almost nothing authentic about the way he's presenting himself whatsoever so 
Yeah. And then um, I, we didn't even mention the fact that it was streamed on Rumble, which is just like this whole paradigm of the corporate media criticize like unfairly persecutes Republicans and how they had to go to this outside streaming network to like air the debate and and archive the debate. And it was just like so strange how all of this is folding together um, again into this paradigm of a partisan prism. The corporate media is this globalist plot to like uphold like wokeism and liberalism and how like conservatives are just the ones who like are never given a platform and they're, you know, it's just great. It's just so batshit crazy to actually believe that. But like, on the other hand, it is tragic that you would never see anyone in a position of power in this government ever look to like a streaming service that favors the left. I mean, those don't exist because we don't have any money and there's no left-wing billionaires. Um, But it is just amazing that this is how much overlap there is like in this space that you have rumble which started off as like, you know, a network that was I, I didn't think was overtly Republican, but it just turned into just like everything's just funneling conservative thought. And Rumble is just one of many of these streaming services now that just does the pretty, exact same thing. I think it was pretty explicitly like that. They just tried to pretend they weren't yeah. when they first opened. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it, that that's what it was. I mean, it was a Peter Thiel creation. Right. It wasn't just like something he invested in. Like, I think it was actually like his baby to begin with. Um, so at this point, I mean, it isn't, it isn't conspiratorial to say that like Peter Thiel is making a lot of weird advances, like in not just like alt media, but also like politics in ways that weren't happening before. Um, and I think people need to take it really seriously because he does seem to have his finger on the pulse more of like what it is that, is trending in politics and that is sort of fringe that will become less fringe over time. You know, um, maybe he's got some AI that's like helping, that's like trained on like every political, like, like talking point. I mean, I don't fucking know what he's up to, but, um, yeah. And every ad during the debate, as I was rewatching it on rumble had like Russell brand with his shirt open, looking like he's about to perform at like lame as a Rob talking about living free. Oh, every other, every other ad was a, about gold like yes. i was watching info wars from 15 years ago um That's it was just cool. so surreal to like i mean there might as well have been like slot buckets like from televangelists yeah. like on on ads well there, there I mean, are that's so strange oh, i'm sure R- rumble has run, run ads like that that's one of the reasons why like at first mm-hmm. i was like maybe i could just you know put my stuff on here if it's free just like youtube and then i realized that you have to unless you pay you have to run ads of, and they're just basically like all right wing ads. And plus, it's just all, it's just all cryptocurrency with all these places, and it's just like I just don't. Oh, none they of pay in cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's just like none of oh, this that's hilarious. Seems real. It's like that one weird website that um, what was that website called that everybody was like, gravitating towards for a second? Mines. No, no, no. It was another like video platform, something Finn. Odyssey. Oh. Rockfin. Rockfin, yeah. Yeah. That it was like it paid you in cryptocurrency and then like that weird thing happened with Whitney Webb or with her like payment and that the whole thing just seems sketchy. It does seem very scam oriented mm-hmm. um, and very just unstable and like just sus in general. Like I Well, it's I just know. like the finance. It's just like any other aspect of capitalistic investing. It's like 
there are ways to make money off of cryptocurrency if you really know what you're doing and you're smart, but there's a lot of scams out there because a mm. lot of people are hearing about it and want to jump in and, and, you know, they could be easily taken advantage of. So, I mean, I, I don't think that the cryptocurrency in and of itself is a scam. It's just that it attracts right. a lot of scammers and a lot of these weird people who already seem like scammers are like involved in it. So it just gives it this weird sheen of, you know, something feels like it's fishy about all, all right. Like the yeah. NFT, like like ape, yeah, shit, like the course. ape series, yeah. and all the people who bought them, and like seeing all these people who got them stolen, and like millions of dollars were stolen. It's just like how I I don't understand what even is happening. But I wanted to say two more quick things about the debate, and then I want you to tell me about Trump's interview on Tucker. Um, instead of participating in the debate, he just did this exclusive Tucker interview. I guess about something that everyone was just super excited about Robbie but I think it's just so insane that Chris Christie is running again and it's so insane that Nikki Haley is running I mean Chris Christie is a fucking joke it's like anyone who's ran before and bombed that hard has some goddamn balls to go through that sort of humiliation again yeah and it just seems like it's the redux of like Trump's offensive during 2016 like He's running again on the notion that he's different from the other candidates because he doesn't agree with Trump. He doesn't agree with Trump breaking the law. He thinks it's uncouth and he doesn't think this behavior should be normalized, Robbie. And it's like, OK, did this work for you last time? No. OK, well, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> and in fact, he just got booed. He got booed so much that he couldn't even speak anymore at the debate because he was just like the only one who was like Trump should be held accountable. It's funny because like I my just personal opinion of him and his performance was I felt like he was he seems like he has more confidence than like most other politicians in that race. Like the fact that he even did what you just said, that he like was willing to put himself through this again. Um, it's it's in some ways it's weirdly impressive. And I was right. I was actually like also a little bit impressed, even though they didn't really land, but like the fact that he seemed to already have like pre-planned slams on Vivek, like ready to go was like also surprising. Like he was one of the only candidates there, you know, Nikki Haley had the line about like, you, you know, you don't have any foreign policy experience and it shows like that seemed like a canned response that she could have mm -hmm. used on a bunch of other people there, like including Ron DeSantis, but shows use it on him. But Christie seemed to have specific zingers just for Vivek Ramaswamy he basically said that he sounds like chat GPT is running for president, which I was like really surprised by like that. I, that was like a surprisingly clever and oddly obscure slam. You know, right. um, he also compared him to Obama because he's like out of nowhere, like a good talker, yep. but he's, you know, not experienced. Um, and Vivek tried to slam him back with the, Oh, like, like when you hugged him. Cause remember that like controversy yeah, yeah, during, like, yeah. during like the flood or whatever. Um, but then a bunch of people were like, that's racist. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene was like, that was the most racist thing I've ever heard. And it's like, that's so funny when Republicans think they're <laughs> sniffing out racism or they're like, that's so racist. Like when you're obviously anti-Christie, it's like, I'm, I would be the first one to call out Selena and Sandy racist. And that's not how it came off to me. Like he just happens not to be a white guy. Like, right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any racial uh, anything underneath that comment, but 
I was actually surprised at Chris Christie's performance. He does seem very relaxed. Like yeah, he seemed like he was not affected. Exactly. And I think that, that there's something to say in and of itself because look at Ron DeSantis's hype and the power up until this point. Like the fact that he just didn't seem relaxed. I mean, and frankly, Vivek didn't seem relaxed either. He seemed like hyper. That's not relaxed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's different ways people cope and are able to uh, like digest their own anxiety and then how that manifests itself. That's how it seemed like Vivek manifests by just being like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like just like hyper, like, you know, I mean, to me, it looked like he was like Manic. on speed, mm-hmm. like that he was actually on like an upper, maybe not like an amphetamine, but maybe like one of those like nootropics, like um, modafinil or something. Rubio honestly seemed like he was put on some kind of uppers towards in the last series of GOP debates against Trump when he mentioned his dick size. Like mm-hmm. that all seemed like, are you, did they just give you something? Are you on a little something? Like, cause you're acting different, like something different. Um, but that's, yeah, that, that was my Haley impression seemed, of it. Nikki Haley did seem a little bit hyper too, but she also is so uninteresting. It's like watching paint dry to just get she seemed, through what she says. Yeah. I said her vibe to me read as more like overcompensating, wanting to be tough. Uh, she's on the debate stage with mostly men. Um, yep. And I think that's the that's what her energy seemed like. It was mostly angling towards, like, but yeah, it, it kind of just... worked to her disadvantage because, again, very misogynist world we live in. If you act like an angry woman, you just don't. You can't gain votes like that. It's unfortunately that's the they, they like tell you this when you're running as a woman politician. Like, do not get too angry. You cannot get as angry as a man, and if, especially if you're one of color. Like you, if you get even yeah. a little bit angry, they'll fucking think you're trying to kill them. Like that's how, that's how you. It's like there's there's so much baked in misogyny. Like for I mean, so yeah. I mean, so yeah, I don't no, know what her deal is. She's dead in the water. Was. I mean, she's dead in the water. Yeah. She can't even fill a small auditorium at CPAC, which is like her yeah. wheelhouse. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. The, Chris Christie went on one of the more bizarre rants of the entire debate against Putin, saying that Putin's thugs like rapes kids and like went on this really huh. graphic long rant about kids Rapes getting kids. raped and slaughtered huh. it was really strange dude i actually i have a clip of it right now that we should um we should put in and i find it offensive that we have professional politicians on the stage that will make a pilgrimage to Kiev to their pope zelensky without doing the same thing for people in maui or the south side of chicago okay. right, or kensington okay. i Hold think on. that we have to put oh, the interests of americans I mean, first he was secure our own border instead of somebody else's he was referring and the reality is this is also how we project okay. strength and by making america strong at home we heard the names governor christie first all right yeah. look I did go to Ukraine, and I went to Ukraine because I wanted to see for myself what Vladimir Putin's army was doing to the free Ukrainian people. And let me tell you, I want you all to look around this arena tonight and imagine that every one of these seats was filled. And if every one of them was filled, there would still be 2,500 more children outside to make over 20,000 who have been abducted, stolen, ripped from their mothers and fathers, and brought back to Russia to be programmed to fight their own families. They have gouged out people's eyes, cut off their ears, and shot people in the back of the head, men, and then gone into those homes and raped the, the daughters and the wives who were left as widows 
and orphans. This is, this is the Vladimir Please. Putin. This is the Vladimir Putin who Donald Trump called brilliant and a genius. If we don't stand up against this type of autocratic killing we in the world, we will be next. You were mentioned. Governor Haley, welcome back. Vice President Pence was mentioned. You get 30 seconds. Yeah, well, let me let me be clear. Anybody that thinks that we can't solve the problems here in the United States and be the leader of the free world has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. That is incorrect. We can do both, Vivek. We've done both. Yeah, and then, I mean, just the abortion stuff. I mean, everyone made it very clear how pro-life they were. And it shows you, you know, Mike Pence, who seems like he's having onset rigor mortis. Um, he he is just so crazy. I mean, he he really made it explicitly clear that his biggest accomplishment, Robbie, as vice president, was getting those Supreme Court justices. In. And I don't blame him. I mean, no, that's what is. these people it care about. And they really, like, they really reasserted everyone on that stage, how pro-life they were, how everyone was like, Okay, so what abortion ban would you sign federally? Mm-hmm. Like straight up and it's like, okay, like what are we talking about here? And pretty much everyone said that they would they would sign a federal abortion ban except this one guy who has no chance. 15 week ban is an idea whose time has come pro life governor of a very pro life state. You signed a 6 week ban. We can't leave it to Minnesota. We can't leave it to Illinois. We must solve that issue with a 15 week limit at a minimum. I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill. I remember one of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. What the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. I know a lady in Florida named Penny. She survived multiple abortion attempts. She was left discarded in a pan We are not going to allow abortion all the way up till birth, and we will hold them accountable for their extremism. And it's just absolutely insane that the premise of their arguments or the paradigm that they were like presenting this in was that abortions are on demand up until the day the baby's born. And it's like, okay, literally that is not a thing, but it's just absolutely insane that this is the conversation that we're having. And it's like, that wasn't enough to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now it's like, okay, let's fulfill the ultimate goal, which is a federal abortion ban. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, that's what we're angling for. And all these people made that crystal clear, dude. Yeah. And, and that was interesting that off record, Trump apparently said that it was like a huge mistake uh, that that this even happened. Like it's going to lose Republicans votes. And I think that ultimately he's right because Republicans are the greatest liars. They, they really do make it seem like they believe all these things, you know, be acting virtuous. It's a skill. It's a learned skill. Just like a lot of people who go to church every day and, and pray and, and present like they're these religious moral people, a lot of those people do things that, that go against what they preach in private. You know, I think liberal people tend to be a little more maybe honest about what they are. And even though some of them, I mean, obviously have weird contradictions, but it is a, I don't know, it just... Um, it, it is so, it is so hypocritical. I mean, it, it's just so revealing to like dive into something like this when I've been totally removed from anything political for like the last over half a year now 
except when we do these episodes, like I'm really tuned out. And so to really just like sit and watch through this two and a half hour debate was really fascinating because it's like, oh, this is where the pulse of American society is at. And it's like really disturbing. Um, It's just about the woke stuff, about how climate change is fake, about how China is the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I mean... And the Putin thing, which was barely disagreed upon. And, of course, religion underpins all of it. And, you know, aside from them lying and saying China has, like, the biggest army and navy. I mean, technically, you can argue, like, the number of ships and the number of actual personnel because they have a fucking billion people living there. Mm -hmm. But it's like, how dare you actually insinuate that China has, like, a stronger military than us? Um, But, like, aside from that cartoonish like rhetoric the whole debate kind of reminded me of this book that i just read by octavia butler parable of the sower which is just a bleak ass dystopian landscape of what america is going to be eventually whatever natural disaster like inevitably like destroys this country or whatever societal collapse happens after the worsening effects of climate change whatever societal collapse happens where religion is just going to reign supreme and people are just going to do heinous, evil shit under the banner of religion and on behalf of whatever political elite continue to exist and direct them to. And it's just going to be mob rule and just pure insanity. And I do believe that based on what we've already been through with COVID, with people almost killing each other over rolls of toilet paper at the store. I have no faith in humanity and I have no faith in this country. I know that I should remain optimistic because I have children that I'm raising in this world, but it's like, I, I just can't, I just have to like, honestly take a step back and just be like, how can I just best survive? Like, how can my family survive? Because I really am scared of what my fellow people are capable of doing. And when I see shit like this and where it's going, it's nowhere good. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say that we should cap it off there with such a <laughs> a depressing um, yeah. statement, but I mean, I I concur. Um, it's uh, it is it is hard to think about things. Actually, it is hard to have optimism about this country, especially after what we've seen, the Trump era, all the weird media manipulation, all the weird psyops. It's impossible to trust. People in alt media anymore, everyone seems like they're duplicitous and that they're willing to just go to the next weird, trendy thing. It's a confusing, very hard to navigate landscape. Meanwhile, a lot of the stuff people are digesting gives them the certainty that there are directed energy weapons being used in Maui, that there's all these things going on that they know for sure. Like that, you know, something like BlackRock is responsible for trying to groom children and sexualize them. Because they're like helping corporations manage their images. I mean, all this shit is just, they're so certain about it. You know, the transhumanism thing that they think transgenderism is some kind of agenda to, you know, indoctrinate people to like literally evolve to the next stage of humanity, which is like transhuman. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's fascinating, Um, but it is also scary. It is, it is scary and uh, very unpleasant. So just try to be authentic, try to find actual authenticity in this world and carve out space for your own authentic ideas and visions and whether that means creating art or music or 
just going out in nature. I think it's just, I think it's more essential than ever before. And as much as we feel like the internet um, is decentralizes things in a good way, it also is like, like makes me feel like I can't do anything about anything. No. Anymore. The internet is, is, I think it's honestly being ruined and it's going to be very hard to, you know, feel healthy as a regular internet user, you know, moving forward. I think a lot of people are going to eventually realize that the internet is a toxic hellscape that's become completely destroyed. Um, and you really have to seek out specific people. You can't rely on these social media things to serve you up content unless you just want to be in a cycle of depression and dopamine hits and always thirsting for more and just a bottomless pit of a hungry ghost of a person hooked to this digital ecosystem. I mean, a lot of people already know that on some intrinsic level, but a lot of people haven't acted that, you know, or lived that yet. And I think that that's going to be a a transformation we will see um, with certain people moving forward. But Thank you for listening to Media Roots Radio. Please subscribe. We have several bonus episodes every single month that my brother is doing really deep dives, um, really incredible stuff that he's putting together. Please check it out. Patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Until next time. Listen up, down the rock, let me spin you a tale About a man named Vivek Ramaswamy His ego sets his sail Water to the mean, that Alzheimer's hope From Pfizer, just five million, no need for a telescope So a chance to to play But little did he know it all goes straight Ain't Tepardini his grasp, his mother on the board The scheming motion, the sanctioned sword False data fabricated, a web of deceit Investors blindfolded, facing a cruel defeat Vivek's empire covering, a house of cards In his lap, a truth, a story on bars Put his own mom in the midst for a plot to unfold A twisted path of rise, a soul